Hello, everyone. Jose Nino here with another episode of El Nino Speaks. Today, we're going to dive into some more cultural topics, and I'm joined by the estimable Fort Worth playboy. On the Twitter space, you'll probably be very well aware of his content, which is arguably like the most politically incorrect dating and relationship advice that you'll find there. What's new with you, man? I appreciate you inviting me. I never think of myself as politically incorrect does make sense. I can see that from somebody on the outside looking in. But it's funny because we do, you know, especially like right now with all the Trump stuff coming up, that we're pretty separate from that because we never know what side people are on a fence. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's why I brought you on because I'm mixing up like the content a bit here. That's interesting. Yeah. There is some overlap because my um, audience is definitely more on the right. It's definitely like more like dissident right, not like very like mainstream type of right. right. Yeah. But they're generally pretty aware of this stuff and they want to hear more about some of like the ins and outs of like relationships and like dating in the contemporary right. scene. Well, we definitely know that side. So yeah, tell my listeners more about yourself. Well, it's me and Bunny, who's my girlfriend, and we've been doing this for five years with Twitter, and we've really kind of like gotten serious. I've gotten serious as a team in the last six months about reaching out, coaching men, red pill, game, relationships, and sex. Bunny kind of takes care of most of the sex stuff. I take care of most of the game stuff. And combined, we kind of cover a lot of the relationship and red pill approach to relationships or to women and men, you could say. And that's that's where we're at now. We both come from a fitness background. I've owned gyms for the last 20 years. We've both been personal trainers. And we both do both of that. We have two businesses at this time that we split our time with. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, what is your proverbial like origin story with regards to how you got into like the so-called red pill about dating advice? Oh, after I was divorced about 10 years ago, you know, when you own your own business or, or you work for yourself, a lot of that stuff, unless you come from family money, you kind of fall into personal improvement or personal development. And so I was familiar with personal development. And when I came out of my divorce, I stumbled on um, Tyler Durden with Real Social Dynamics. And I didn't really pay attention to it so much as a, you know, this is how you pick up women angle, because he does a lot of, or at least he was at that moment, a lot of like seminars where he talked about personal improvement, you know, because a lot of game is improving yourself. And I came into it at that angle. And then over time, I stumbled on Chateau Artiste. And, you know, for whatever reason, the the way he wrote and the way he approached it, and it took me some time, but I literally probably read Chateau an hour to two hours every night for about two years, at least one solid year. I focused in on reading at least one hour an evening and applying it, you know, to my dating life. And that's really where I 
picked up after about three years. And then I just, I like the fact that you could, in a way, control the narrative or like they say, women are a mystery, but you know, we know in game that they're not, things are predictable. You can say this and they'll most likely do this. So that's where I came in. I came in through the personal development door and then became more interested through Chateau and RSD and in, in game. And that's what I focus in mostly, you know, not so much pickup, not so much red pill, even though those all kind of like go along with it, but mostly, you know, game and, and the practitioner of that. Could you tell my audience, uh, explain to them what game is briefly? Game is defined as learned charisma. Charisma being able to hold an audience or hold an individual's attention and move them from, let's say, complete stranger to in your bed in a systematic way. And that can go from anywhere from a couple of hours or an hour to a couple of days, whatever that person, whatever your system and whatever the person in front of you agrees to. But game is learned charisma and charisma is what turns women on at the end of the day. And a lot of guys are born with it. They're kind of naturals. I had a lot of natural ability and a lot of situations that allowed me to become, I was doing it, but I didn't know what I was doing. And then sometimes guys don't have a lot of background or they don't have a lot of contact with women through choice or situation. And so they kind of have to learn from the very beginning how to be charismatic and hold a girl's attention and, and move her from stranger to in their bed. And everybody's at different lines. You know, I mean, there's everybody has a little bit of a natural ability. It just depends on where, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I never really thought about having dicks. And this, I'm glad you asked me because that it, I write it a lot, you know, where people will get what game is wrong. And we try to kind of like straighten them out a little bit, but it is defined as learned charisma. Yes, I've, um, I've always argued that everybody has game. It's really a matter of if your game is strong or if your game is weak. And it's like, right. Yeah. Now, um, one thing that I've noticed. When it comes like, because uh, I actually come from a history background and I have a particular fascination in studying like historical trends of like certain activities and dating in particular has definitely changed over, I'd say like now, like over the past like 70 years or so. And people are just like meeting the opposite sex in different ways, like online, through apps, social media, and to a lesser extent, like social circle and bars as well have still been like a pretty popular spot to meet up at. Yeah, they still exist. Yes. And actually, curiously enough, of like the places in so-called meat space where people still meet up, bars have actually picked up, whereas churches and other institutions of like civil society have seen people not meeting up uh, each other there less. Like it's like reduced tremendously, like school work um and churches I can see that but bars have actually um i think troy francis another dating coach pointed out, yeah. out that bars are have actually grown in terms of like as a popular place to meet people because he noted that in because he's predominantly based in the uk yeah he's in london yeah 
that uh, bars were um, historically there and pubs were not places for like hooking up and all of that. It was mostly like just for like people just chatting about like politics or like sports. But now it's like more of like a meat market, if you will. Now, when you were growing up, how were you meeting up with other women? I got lucky because again, a lot of this, a lot of having natural game is situational. I um, started lifting weights when I was like 14 and I was working in the gyms at 16. So I would like literally like open the gym at six in the morning, which was early then for a gym to open. And then I'd keep it open until the first front desk person got there. Then I would like go to high school. So I was in the gym. I lifeguarded at a very large water park here in here in um, Arlington, Fort Worth, Arlington. And just like with most professions where you end up meeting a lot of women, you don't always meet them like the public. It's your coworkers that you meet. You know, I was around a lot of women and in the sun and the fun and every summer. So between being in the gym, social circle, being in school, playing sports, working at a water park, and then in college, I also bounced in the winters. Instead of lifeguarding, I would bounce at like one of the last great singles bars there was. I mean, it was truly like when you think of like the discos back in the 70s where everybody would like meet, those were kind of dying off, but this one still existed, you know, in the mid to late 80s. And so I worked there and I lucked out again. I worked for about two years at a place called The Funny Bone, working the door there, which is a comedy club. So I was exposed to really smart, very fast, quick-witted, charismatic characters. I mean, a lot of the guys ended up 10 years later having their own shows on television, but right then they were doing stand-up, you know, and a lot of um, picking up women comes down to having a little bit of sense of humor, being quick-witted, being able to pass shit tests. And literally, I walked out of there after working there for two years with a very quick wit. I'm slower today than I was then. But you get very good at having comebacks, working, you know, think of like hecklers. So being exposed to to that and being exposed to players and playboys in those environments went a long way to shaping, you know, me meeting people and who I became. And I was either working in gyms, which are always pretty sexually charged, nightclubs, water parks. So just by where I was, it seemed to to really work well. Now, yeah, I, I want to touch upon the gym aspect because there has been a strong like intersection of the fitness and uh, dating niches over the last decade from what I've noticed, especially on like YouTube and social media. Based on your experience interacting with guys that are pretty good with women, have you noticed like a correlation between guys that are like much more like physically fit and their ability to pick up women, like a positive correlation? I do because I believe with training or with bodybuilding or with sport, it requires you to have some discipline. You're more confident. You'll tend to be more social as it is. And you're challenged. Does that make sense? So a lot of your self-doubt, like, you know, 
you're nervous about a game or playing a position or attempting something that you haven't attempted before, and you get good at overcoming your fears. And to approach women or to deal with women requires you to overcome a lot of fear quite often, whether you realize it or not. And so when guys are conditioned to being challenged and at least accepting the challenge, they tend to do better with women. It's not, it's not, you know, the physical, they look better, they feel better, but they're also not afraid to try something they haven't tried before. So I think that's where the carryover is because make no mistake on Friday night at seven o'clock, there's a lot of handsome, well-built man, men that don't have any charisma that are at the gym. You know, so it's not always a one-to-one yes. conversion. Yeah. I've um, noticed, too, in the past decade or so, uh, there is an interesting segment of the population now that's getting into bodybuilding that tends to come from nerdier, more antisocial background. Yeah. And it's really different from previous generations where those types, the archetype there was like the more like jock, like Chad type of... Exactly. Yeah. Do you know where I would suggest that this came from? What? That where the conversion happened? Sure, go ahead. Let me ask you, what is your theory? I think it's largely due to like a Japanese anime, to be honest, because there's a lot of like really Japanese anime characters. And that's like in the US, like most of the people that consume that are pretty like nerdy and tend to come Very from... Very interesting. Yeah, and I think they try to like emulate that, try to like live that like in real life. And yeah, that's like how I've seen it. Yeah. And I also think too, those type of demographics of people like will probably turn to that to just find something like more productive so that they can actually um become more attractive than the dating yeah. market space. Yeah. Do you want to know my theory? What's your theory? Okay. Back before two thousand, two thousand one. In the gym business, it was always ex-jocks, guys that played football, and or hardcore weightlifters, which almost always came from a sport. And then they just wanted to make a living in the gyms. And it, and it was relatively easy. You could do it and not really have to kill yourself. But it was mostly ex-jocks in the business. And that's who they tend to attract in there. And then when the tech bubble burst, in 2001, I noticed on the West Coast, there were a lot of really kind of nerdy computer guys oh, that had a lot of free time. I see where this is going. Yeah. And that was also, and just bear with me, this is kind of niche, is that was also the location. You know, CrossFit was in on the West Coast in California, and they were based online. And a lot of guys needed something they could throw themselves into. And CrossFit and and another subset got into the bodybuilder. And they could communicate like bodybuilding.com and all that started blowing up because before that it was just magazines. Magazines or you had to be a member at a gym and you kind of like picked up by being a regular, you know, and you could ask questions after you'd kind of been there for a while, like years. But all of a sudden the information was more available. And 
these guys had the free time and intelligence and competitiveness. And I noticed that once kind of like tech picked up, they stayed in CrossFit and bodybuilding. And we saw it in the business. I mean, more tech guys that had a little bit of money left over before they lost their living became CrossFit affiliates or opened their own strength and conditioning gym with their own philosophies. So you had kind of an infusion of highly intelligent, physically capable guys. And I think that was where it became, and, and you know, with CrossFit being online, was the first exposure of a mix. And, and bodybuilding.com on the forums, that was where there's a lot of uh, spread of the information. That, that's just my theory. Yeah, I've actually noticed that dynamic too in business now. Instead of having very like aesthetic looking like Chad, like brash types that used to dominate like corporate America. And these guys also tend to be like more like wasps too. It's now like much like nerdier people that are like very like pencil neck and sometimes like really dysgenic looking taboo. That's interesting. Yeah. It's like they've been inside and not active for too long. Yeah. It's a revenge of the nerds type of like deal. A little bit. Um, I noticed this one space on like the anonymous, like right wing Twitter where this uh, one guy um, who said like he cites like the decline of Western civilization in terms of like film was whenever like Revenge of the Nerds was like dropped. He says like this, like totally inverted, like the <laughs> the traditional like social hierarchies. That's interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I do think that, and you know, like when computers started be gaining momentum, like. Gaines is on the cover of things. At that time, it really was Revenge of the Nerds. You know, I mean, that was how it was classified. And now it's just become more normal. But also talking about, like, the guys getting into fitness, I think they're just exposed to it more often. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it tends to interest men. There's just something interesting about it. And it's very straightforward. Like, if I lift this weight three times a week, for one year, I will look different. There's no like equivocal, like, yeah, I might not, or if I lift it wrong, it's pretty straightforward in the whole scheme of things. You know, not every, not many things are that of, of a sure thing, but weightlifting is a thing that you can be sure of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty logical field. And there's definitely some carryover too. With regards, um, well, more of like an analogy with regards to like dating where you want to get like more reps in with sets. Oh, yeah. Uh, opening up yeah. Set, yeah. And yeah, it's a good way of, yeah. If guys are trying to get better at dating, it's a good analogy too. Okay. Now, in this uh, like dating niche, I've noticed over the years, there's a lot of politically correct advice that tries to put men in like the most disadvantageous position whether it's like in like the date itself or long-term relationship scenarios in your view what pieces of mainstream dating advice do you believe that all men should categorically reject and ignore that's a tough one you know we know that a lot of mainstream anything that falls under romance or friends first or 
sex only within a committed relationship. We know that asshole game, for lack of a better phrase, more consistently, better, women like it than any other type of game we run. You know, and it, and it comes to guys very naturally because almost all guys were assholes when they were younger. Pull the ponytail, chase the girl, you know, just being boys. So it comes naturally, but they're told not to do that. Because, I mean, anything that we put out there around asshole game, you always get girls jumping in going, well, that wouldn't work on me or my girlfriends. When we know it works like gangbusters. And, you know, because girls and what these writers, and most of these writers are females in their early 20s that you'll read in mainstream publications because they'll work for $20,000 a a year. They put out there what they want to work on them, what sounds like it would work well on them. Take them out, ask interesting questions, be polite, three dates, four dates, five dates before sex, all of that, where what they're really interested in is a guy who's indifferent, aloof, self-confident, cocky, pretty much directs the whole day, moves them from stranger to in their bed, usually within the first or the second date at most, and pretty much runs the show. And she's along for the ride. We know, I think, the more polite and the wait for sex and every relationship starts with casual, a casual date. You know, so these girls are always like, well, I'm only looking for something serious. You can pretty much ignore that because every serious relationship started out casual, you know, and that's a lot of pressure to put on meeting up for drinks. Am I going to marry this person? Yeah. No one, no one thinks that. I don't think once, yeah, yeah, once girls get in the room, I mean, and we talked, Bunny and I talked about this just the other day. She would actually be, it would alarm her if the second day you said, I love you or, I want you to be my girlfriend. I mean, none of that makes sense. So you have to kind of like allow them to say what they're going to say, which is, you know, I'm looking for something serious and no hookups and I never have sex on the first day because all that will tend to go out the window once they're in the room with you. And that's, that's what I think the difference is, is that what is described by mainstream publications is completely irrelevant to actually how people interact in reality. Oh, yeah. I've like long argued this, and this is going to be your politically incorrect take of the day, is that taking uh, female advice for dating is the equivalent of like listening to the likes of Michael Moore when it comes to like keto dieting. Like It's like totally suboptimal advice that should be Thoroughly ignored, in my opinion. I can't say that because Bunny's my (laughs) right hand. But again, we admit that she only has 20% girl brain. She sees these things because a lot of girls cannot look at situations or most girls can't even talk about sex. They can't talk about sex outside of the bedroom. Yeah. They get weird. I mean, they, I'm in a, in a decent, I mean, it's a natural, thing, but they can't, I mean, because of slut shaming and conditioning and all that. So there is a subset and 
that are built different. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes everything just comes together in the right person, the right place at the right time. But I would agree with you that in general, you cannot listen to what girls are saying. You can watch them is what their actions will prove. No. But again, there's a lot of men out there that agree with these women. Oh, yes. And they're yeah. coaches, counselors, writers. The vast majority of men are extremely clueless. We're a teeny tiny little subset of the population. And men are getting bad or, yeah, men are getting bad information from every direction. Oh, yeah. I joked with somebody one time and said, like, some of these guys putting that, like, mainstream advice out there are probably, like, doing the exact opposite, like, in their, like, personal lives and just doing that to, like, reduce their competition. That's funny. I never thought about that. That's but, very But, no, I, I do think there are true believers about that, like, kind of stuff, though. Most normies in general, I do think, are, like, true believers when it comes to that. And just based on my interactions with them. Well, and it's interesting that you said that about normies or or like what we call average Joes. And no one sees themselves as an average Joe. And that's okay. But the vast majority of men out there, they're not that interested in attraction, girls, or sex. They're okay with it. They like girls. They like getting married. They like being married, but it's not a driver for them. They don't find it as interesting as they do, let's say, model trains or being a pilot or whatever their career is. Or, But usually it's a hobby or drinking. They would prefer to drink than to meet up with a girl. They'd rather drink with their buddies at a bar than talk to women. I mean, they truly would prefer that. So I think the subset of players, playboys, scoundrels is small. People like yourself and myself who are interested in attraction and seduction and the ins and outs and how it works and and applying it is extremely small. But we have a lot of, what would you say? We have a loud voice because people want to know how to do this. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. That's true that I think we do live like in a bubble where there's like a tendency of thinking that every guy's like interested in this, whereas most people just kind of go through the motions and just go on with their like their regular lives. So we have to have like some perspective on this. And that's why um, at times we can get a bit caught up with a lot of this content. Yes. Now, one thing um, that's very clear as I touched upon before is that uh, dating has definitely changed in terms of like, the venues and the ways people source their prospects, especially with the advent of the internet and the subsequent rise in social media. And based on your experience, what are some of the most notable changes you've observed in your time um, being involved, like the, uh, getting in like the trenches of dating? Well, what I try to convey is... How you meet, the initial contact has changed. But after that, everything's pretty much like it used to be. And it has been since, like, say, the 80s. Because before, you know, when we're talking like 60s, 70s, 50s, 40s, uh, marriages and 
the U.S. were much more arranged and women were exposed to much fewer options. They might meet four or five guys in their lifetime that they could actually move forward with and, and marry or date seriously as opposed to hundreds, if not thousands today. But from the 80s where dating was like, you know, hey, go pick her up in a car, you got the phone. Up until now, you know, people get thrown off when it comes to like, let's say online dating. You know, they're using the apps, they're on Tinder. It's the best example. It's only there to meet. And then you get offline as fast as possible. Then everything is back to normal. Because what people, I think, misunderstand about online dating is they act like you actually date online, which you don't. They're like, well, how do I get to know her? And, you know, you don't do any of that online. Just like we coach clients that you make contact, you match two or three lines, you get them off the app on the text, two or three, as few as possible lines on text to meet up. And usually try to meet up as soon as possible. You know, less than three day, three to five days is ideal. And then when you meet in person, you're dating. And the date isn't much different than when people met in the 70s. I mean, let's meet up for a drink. That's no different than guys would, you know, pick up the landline, call Susie. Hey, you know, you want to meet at this bar? Okay, I'll see you there at nine. Nothing has changed from that point forward. And that's that's where I think people get, and, and social media is the same thing. They send her a DM. No, you want to get in front of each other. You know, and guys do better when they stop thinking about online dating as dating online. It's simply a way to make contact, and then you get her in person. It's all about the interaction and meet space at the end of the day. Girls have an advantage. What are they doing when they're online or on the app or on the phone or even video chatting before they meet you? They're looking for a reason to disqualify you. And all the momentum, all the the advantages are with them. But once you get a girl in person, the momentum changes because men have presence and charisma and women are naturally submissive. So once you're in person, the balance changes and it changes to where everything's pretty normal. Girls get to follow and men lead. And that's why we see guys get better results the faster they get them offline and get them in front of people. You know that. Yes. Yeah, I don't do as much online dating as before, but my general strategy has been with regards to like online dating is like you don't want to fall into like the text buddy frame. That's like No. Yeah. If I ever have like a prolonged like kind of like encounter online it's mostly to like have her chasing me or where i'm building value but not where i'm just like doing engaging in some like platonic small talk but it comes with like the aim of getting her off the app as soon as possible exactly exactly and guys do not know what they don't know i mean they just don't know that they need to move fast or or move the girl quickly They don't know how to screen. I mean, so much of this stuff comes with instruction and time or, you know, you have to actually like be exposed to it. Very rare that guys are just, you know, natural. And I think it's, it's probably easier to be a natural in person than a natural online because I know guys, you got to remember most guys, 
After high school, they don't write a single sentence, and they sure as hell don't take any pictures. And we know, like with online dating, the pictures are the most important thing. And then the bio is just like maybe 20 or 30%, maybe less than that. You could like have a, a blank bio or you can say, I like to beat women. But if you're hot enough, they'll match. And that's, I mean, we know that, but most guys, they've got, they got a picture of them sitting in their car with their hat from Bass Pro Shop and sunglasses. They got themselves holding a fish. They got their knee on a dead deer and they're under a car. That's it. Maybe, maybe they're under a car. The rest are pretty standard. And, you know, girls don't like dead animals. Yeah, you also see a, a genre of pictures, too, with, like, guys that will go with, like, professional photos with, like, photographers that make them do, like, really submissive, like, poses and, like, body, like... Very interesting. Yeah. Like, I've um told people, like, online or even, like, if they go on Instagram, like, you want to find, like, a photographer that, like, understands, like, body language. That's, like, a dating niche photographer. I've worked with several of those, and they will boost your results like no other, because if you look... Huge, huge difference. Yeah, because you will, if you look super submissive or just, like, really, like, friend zone you're just going to be ignored, even if your pictures are on point, too, like, if they're all high quality. Like, you can have, like, an iPhone, um, like, I take an iPhone picture where you have, like, dominant body language over, like, a really submissive, like, slash platonic type of picture that you got from, like, some professional photographer that doesn't understand this stuff but like, doesn't yeah. know better exactly yeah. yeah exactly yeah yeah th- th- this is like all very interesting stuff now for your clientele i'm just curious about this which age demographic do you primarily work with you know this is kind of like when i got into fitness you know i started as i was like a 260 270 pound bodybuilder i ended up working with overweight moms Because that's who chose me. You know what I mean? I mean, for whatever reason, that's who picked up their phone and called and walked in my door. And when we put out information, everybody, you know, all ages can use the information we put out. But the gentlemen that tend to reach out to us, or at at least to me, tend to be over 40 professionals that have come out of a divorce. Within the last five years, lots of attorneys, some physicians, engineers, business owners, guys that are that are beyond working day to day. They've made their money in various things, but but they're stuck. You know, they're they're running into the problems and they just need some coaching and support to move them in the right direction. Usually over 40 I don't think I've dealt with too many under 40. That seems to be who is reaching out most often. Yeah. So uh, what I run here is um, more political in nature. And I know that you're not like your content is obviously not like explicitly political, but based on like some of the people you've worked with, have you noticed any trend where like if they hold like say like right wing political beliefs, it tends to be deal breaker with some of the women they interact with or is that it or is that kind of like overrated as an aspect you know what i tend to get that question and i don't know how old the guys are but i get that question quite often and where are they usually located austin yeah 
Yes, that's what I thought too. Yeah. And what I say is consider it a shit test because at the end of the day, girls generally, once they have a boyfriend, pick up his politics. Yeah. Or they never talk about politics ever again. Politics are something that girls grab a hold of when they don't have a boyfriend. It's very rare you find a girl heavily involved in politics that's, you know, casually, not say professional politicians or congresswomen. Women tend to pick up politics when or conspiracy theories when they've been trying to date and they can't find a boyfriend. So I tell guys to consider it a shit test, agree and amplify or ignore it, but change the subject to something that's more interesting to him. And girls will tend to forget about whatever they were talking about. Yeah, could you briefly explain what a shit test is? You've mentioned that a few times, but for, for my yeah, audience. A shit test is where a girl is pretty much testing a guy for congruency. You know, is he actually what he says he is? And they do it consciously and unconsciously. And now you're going to ask me for, what's a classic shit test? That's, you seem like a player. You use that all the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or you seem like you date a lot of girls. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course I do. I mean, who wouldn't want to date me? I mean, that's agree and amplify and you ignore it. That's a classic. But again, sometimes it'll be like, who did you vote for? And a lot of times you just go guess, you know, let them talk it out because you can discern a lot from their answer and where they're reading you. And that's the thing. But I would deal with girls that are political, just like you do, like attorneys or hardcore, hard-charging corporate girls, you agree and amplify or you ignore it and you change the subject as quickly as possible to something more interesting. Yeah. Because none of that stuff, girls don't ki- want to be career girls. They don't want to be... Yeah. They want to have fun. Yeah, actually, I used to date before like a, like a tanky chick, like a communist chick before, and I really had like no issues there with regards to political views because... I do think like seduction does go way beyond um, politics as well. We had like a lot of other, uh, I met her through like a Western Marxism class I took like in college and we had like a lot of other like mutual interests and whatnot. So it's just like, really, it's mostly like just like people with like really crazy political beliefs that are just like unhinged that are obviously like off limits, but that's because not so much their political beliefs, but just their like demeanor. And Jose, let me let me ask you your opinion, because I think you have a lot of experience. Wouldn't you almost say it's almost like what's the girl's musical taste? A girl that's like heavy into like electronic dance music or a girl that's heavy into like speed metal. I mean, it's kind of important and it might be more fun if you both have that interest. Yeah, but it's not essential. Yeah, it's not. No. And that's the way I think politics are, too. They're this quirky thing, and she'll tend to pick up, like, if you listen to country, she listens to rap. After you've been together a couple years, she's probably going to be listening to country. Yeah. Also, um, one morning, I've given some people to, that I've interacted with in the political niche, even if they interact with a chick that shares the same political beliefs, if they just continue talking about politics in, like, that way, it turns very logical and platonic. And there's That's like, a good point. And there's like no sexual tension being built. So you got to like expand your horizons when it comes to like the subject matter and like overall 
type of frames you want to set because you don't want to always like, get stuck on that type of I like model. that. I've never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah. There are like some aspects of politics if like you're like a person who has a clear like social media presence when you're talking before other people and giving speeches and all that that are like DHVs, like the displays of higher value. But if you're just like a political junkie that's just talking a bunch of smack on the internet and just obsess about it, like you need to kind of tone it down. Yeah, tone it down and expand your horizons because you're just basically at that point a glorified nerd that just like follows politics obsessively. You know, for a guy, it's just like you said, though, if you're an organizer and you're at the front of the room and you're passionate about it, you can use that to pick up girls because girls like a leader and they like the guy that's at the front of the room speaking. I mean, every when you say every cult leader knows that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Every every pastor from pastors to pimps, you know, girls like a guy that's in charge. And I'm sure these guys are like, hey, like on UT's campus that are like head of the Republican committee or head of the Democrat or head of the communist group. Fidel Castro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They pull girls, whether they realize it or not, they're going to pull girls simply by their position. Yeah. Big time. So I'm actually curious about this because it is kind of interesting to see older generations try to acclimate to a lot of these changes in the current dating marketplace when it comes to technology and whatnot. What have been like the main challenges that most of like the men in their 40s that you work with that they're facing in 2023 and beyond? Well, the guys that are in their 40s and even early 50s, I mean, especially since, you know, I haven't, and if they've reached out to me, they're obviously kind of more internet savvy than a guy who's like a plumber and only uses his cell phone to call his, his kids. So the guys that reach out to me are going to tend to be a little bit more, have a little bit more technology, a little savviness. Um, they're not in, afraid or intimidated. But even then, they'll tend to not understand how online dating actually works. Or they'll tend to shy away from it. But they tend to know where their strengths are, which they'll have already noticed that if they can get a girl in front of them, they do great. You know, it's just moving them. The first thing that we always say to guys over 40 isn't so much the technology. It's they don't have to date women their own age. In fact, it's probably a bad idea. Because let's say a guy's 45, he gets divorced from his wife, who's 43, because they were they were 18 and 20 when they got married. Women his own age will be more difficult to date than a girl who's 35 and sees him as her superior and somebody a little bit more worldly with 10 years more on earth and more experience. Whereas girls your own age in your 40s tend to... You remind them of everybody that's ever caused them problems. You know, you remind them of their ex-husband. You remind them of every guy they dated through college. You remind them of their boss. You remind them of every man that doesn't know any better and is their age and has gone out with them and not called. That's the deal. As we always say immediately, you should be looking at eight to 10 years younger as a starting point. And it will actually be easier. And then as far as the technology goes, you know, we just try to keep it as simple as possible. 
Because again, technology is only leveraged long enough to get them in front of. That's the problem. The problem isn't so much technology. It's that they start dating women their own age and it goes badly. Yes. The age gap discussion is like the equivalent of like anything regarding like pit bulls online. It's just going to create tons, yes. tons of like so of tension and like debate. Yeah. But again, you know, a lot of the. <laughs> yeah, every other week. <laughs> I see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think people have as much problem with a 45 year old man dating a 35 year old. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. It's a non issue. Yeah. As opposed to a 32 year old man and an 18 year old girl or a 20 year old girl. Girls have issues. Is it relevant? I don't think so. But those two things, girls do not see them as the same thing. And what I've also noticed, and you probably did too, is women that are in their 30s and 40s will be like against younger girls dating older men, but they'll quite often admit that they did it when they were younger. Yes. Oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I've had several type of like mentors that are now in their late 40s, early 50s that have all told me that in like online dating, whether it's like in the apps or like Instagram, they've like yeah. Routinely yeah. have routinely uh, dated chicks like early 20s when they were like in their early 40s to mid 40s uh, without issue because it's actually facilitated it a lot. It's like you said before, it's the girl's actions that matter the most because it's a high sign of social intelligence when you read behavior more so than rhetoric because it's often the case those two don't align no no they can't i mean a girl will be ostracized you know general let's say she's 21 22 fresh out of college she's not going to be able to tell her friends that she's going out with a guy who's 42 she's going to do it but she can't tell her girlfriends so that's kind of exciting too for her because they're doing something illicit and he may be more interesting and you know and i i don't think it's this is my theory is 20% of girls have no interest whatsoever in men 10, 10 years or older than them. It's not on their radar. 60% are open to suggestion, which means they, under the right circumstances with the right guy in the right place at that time, they'll do it. They're good for it. And then 20% just wide open. They prefer older men. They notice it like when they were in high school, they liked older men. College, they liked older men. And as adults, they definitely like older men. You know, so that's my theory, at least. And that I've seen it played out over time. It's pretty pat. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That This applies also to a lot of other like disqualifiers, like height and all that stuff, too. Um, th- that theory can generally apply pretty well because... Heights may be the best one where what they say... And what they do are disconnected. Now, you've released several ebooks, um, and I want to mention like the two most prominent that I've used, um, such as Build Your Dating System and Your Dating Rotation, that are fascinating reads. Could you give my audience a brief summary of those ebooks and why they should spend their hard earned money on them? <laughs> I appreciate it. Build Your Dating System is. Because a lot of guys go logistics and your plan and your logistics matter. They may matter more than anything. Let's say 
a guy who lives three minute walking distance from a bar has better logistics than a guy that lives a 45 minute drive away from the nearest town. So your logistics matter. One's going to be easier. One's going to be more difficult. And you have to think about that and having a plan that you can replicate and repeat and improve on goes a long way. It's just like a workout. You know, you tend to do routines. And so build your dating system gives you an outline and a structure, and then you can plug your likes or dislikes, your locations, why certain locations are better than others, how to pick locations, how to literally, you want things to work in your favor. And you don't always have to take every girl to a new place. In fact, it's better if you don't. And we show you how to kind of like become a regular in certain places, ideas on how to date when you're out of town. So there's a lot there, but what it does is it gives you structure that you can make improvements to your dating system. And guys like structure and being able to tweak it. And that's, it gives you structure and it allows you to like kind of build a system or a script to take a girl from stranger to in your bed in a systematic manner, usually within a few hours. And there's a one date system and a two date system. So, you know, there's some flexibility in there and build your rotation. You know, guys, when they think about guys who run two, three, four girls at one time, they're like, man, I guess he's just cheating on all of them. And there's a way to date casually and have sex with a number of women at the same time that you're not cheating. Girls will go along with so many things, you know, they'll go along with a lot more than you expect. And it's a system, your dating rotation takes it to where you can casually date a number of girls over time. And it's a good way to one, if you're even looking for one girlfriend, it's a good way to kind of like sort and go through a lot of, because you know, if you want to find one really good girl, you're going to have to date a lot of them and then choose one. And this allows you to date a number of girls at one time, no hurt feelings. There's no hiding it. There's no cheating. It's very much upfront and it works. And you can choose one or you can simply run that rotation indefinitely because girls will come and go and girls will want a boyfriend. They'll leave for a while and another girl will take their place. So it's a system that allows you to date a number of women get a lot of experience in a short amount of time and minimize drama. And girls like it. They all, you know, if they didn't like it, they wouldn't participate. And that's, that's, that's the bottom line. So there with my rotation, I think it's one of those things that guys go, yeah, I'd like to be able to do that, but they don't know how to start. And that's what my dating rotation does is allows them. It'll give you a way to make this happen with no hurt feelings. And, um, and you can take out of it what you want. You can take, pick a wife or date three or four girls a week forever. It's completely up to you. How's that? Yep, that that's great. I'll be linking to all these works in the show notes. Now, before we wrap things up, where do you see dating going in the 21st century and beyond? Do you see more of the same or will there be certain changes that will that will require 
men to adapt to? It's so hard. The only thing that I could see disrupting a little bit is this like AI where guys kind of have a relationship, you know, where they get computing to where it kind of interacts with you. I can see guys getting distracted by that even more so than they already are distracted by a relationship with girls on their computer. I don't really like with OnlyFans, people are always asking like, how's it so captivating? There's naked pictures of women all over the place, but all the money is made in the messaging where the guy has like a parasocial relationship with this girl who's on the other end of the computer. And it's usually a guy as we know, you know, actually typing the responses to the guy's message. I mean, a girl might make 2000 a month in subscriptions, but she makes 20,000 a month in messaging, you know, because that's the model. And I think as AI moves forward and they can have an avatar or the ideal woman built out who actually interacts with them. I think that may throw a hitch into it because guys can be distracted. You know, it takes a lot of effort. It's funny. I was talking to Bunny about like what it takes to meet up with a girl. And she was kind of shocked because she's like, oh, we got to do the show up. I mean, there's a lot that a girl does, but there's a lot of uh, energy men have to invest to get a girl into a chair in front of them. And a lot of guys just are too late. They are just lazy. They're not going to do it, especially if they have an alternative that's as limbically satisfying as far as they're concerned. And that that may be the only disruptor, but I don't think people's uh, hardcore, like how their game will not change. That won't change. The things that work now will work in 10, 20 years because they worked 20 years ago. They'll work again. The principles always remain the same. It's just the tactics change a little bit. Yep, I, that's where I um, also see it. Like the, um, there will be definitely different technological tools, but if you don't really have the fundamentals of game down, you're still going to end up getting played in the long term because it's really all about the long game when it comes to these relationships. And you can only use so many crutches until you end up like losing the proverbial game altogether. Yeah, I don't think dating will go back to traditional. You know, unless there's a big, massive shift, you know, where families become more involved and it goes back towards where almost arranged marriages, which may be a reaction 20 years down the road, but um, where families are vetting people for their children, I don't see that actually. I mean, that's just maybe I'm a pessimist about it, but I think it'll pretty much stay the same with AI distracting more men and Again, the obesity rate with people. Oh, yeah. That's not doing anyone any favors either. Yeah. I think that you're going to see, like, it's already happening now in the West. You're going to see, like, a secularized, like, harem type of, like, scenario that it's going to look like, like, a lot of, like, Islamic sites and even a lot of third world societies where just like a guy, like, a really small percentage of men attract, like, the bulk of, like, attractive women and, that's going to have like massive like socioeconomic implications because if you look throughout history, a lot of rebellions and political upheavals like are 
somewhat like de facto incel revolts. Very much so. Yes. If there's a huge mass of men under 25 or under 30 that are underemployed and don't have girlfriends, that does not work out ever. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Those those guys are ready like, to throw down. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Again, like girls get distracted when they don't have a boyfriend, they get political. Guys will do the same thing. They don't have anything. They don't have a girlfriend. They don't have any prospects. Uh, they get political. Yeah. Big time. Well, man, let's put a bookmark in this conversation. Fort Worth, where can my audience find your content? FortWorthPlayboy.com. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, Fort Worth Playboy. One word. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you for inviting me. And to my audience, thank you for tuning in. And with that, El Nino has spoken.